Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Hey there, Penn State fans. It's time for the Blue White Breakdown podcast. I'm Bob Flounders of Penn Live. Also joining me from Penn Live, since it's the Blue White Breakdown podcast, is Daniel Gallen in State College. And Daniel, State College is going to be kind of the place to be if you're a Penn State fan on Thursday morning. You're not Penn State fans can't go. You're going to be there. Penn Live's going to be there. Uh, big part of this show. Let's talk a little bit about Penn State's Pro Day set for Thursday. Probably going to start sometime in the morning. Don't know when it's going to end. But given the amount of Penn State players who participated in the scouting combine in Indianapolis, that the number was eight, plus some guys who could have went that did not get invites. It could be a really busy day for uh, NFL teams, scouts, GMs, coaches. There's a lot of players that could go in the first three rounds uh, of the NFL draft. So I think I think you're going to see a nice NFL contingent in state college. Are you looking forward to uh, Thursday? Yeah, definitely. I've been to a couple pro days throughout my career, and it's always a pretty interesting thing to interesting thing to see. Um, you know, when you're at the combine, you don't necessarily get to see things as up close, but when you're at the pro day, you get to see the guys around the forty. You get to see them do the agility drills. You get to see which assistant coaches from which teams are putting them through drills, which is. Always a little data point uh, to to put in the back of your head as as the draft gets closer, but it's just kind of a it's a cool event to see these guys kind of auditioning for that next level and and to kind of setting themselves up for what's next in their careers. Yeah, and obviously everyone wants to see Penn State guys run forties. No, nothing's better than that. And then they come over and tell us their times because Penn they don't actually have like a scoreboard or anything like that. But there's a lot of other agility drills and there's some weightlifting that goes on. I don't think we get to watch that. But I think for most people that are going to be attending the event, especially on the media side, getting to see guys run 40s and then finding out how, how fast they ran or not how, or how slow they ran. They, I don't think they would tell us if they ran slow. But um, that's kind of like one of the, one of the, uh, the marquee uh, testing numbers, I think, is the 40. I'm not sure, Daniel, that all of the Penn State players will run 40s because a couple of them did very well, I think, when they ran the 40 at the Combine, and they'll probably stand on that number. Who are some of the players, Daniel, and maybe what are some of the things you might we might see them do up there? And let's just say, you know, we talked about the eight guys that were there, and most Penn State fans know those names, but 
One of, one of the deserving guys I thought of a combine invite that didn't get to go was Alice Brooks. And I would imagine he'll be there tomorrow. And I'm sure some NFL teams are going to want to talk to him. Yeah. So I think to start with the guys who are at the combine, who we've already talked about a lot, the the guys who are going to have interesting afternoons or mornings or afternoons tomorrow, I think are uh, Tariq Castro Fields. You're in that four three eight in the 40. Does he try to improve on that? Does he stand on that? Uh, what does someone like Jahan Dotson who put together a pretty solid uh, resume, I guess, from the combine. What does he decide to do to add? Does he just do the drills uh, instead of testing numbers? Similar thing for Brandon Smith um, in terms of kind of the total package he put together. Um, Indianapolis, I thought, was was pretty impressive, even though there wasn't necessarily one number um, that stood out about all. But I think Jaquan Brisker is going to be the one of the big guys to watch tomorrow. Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reported that Brisker, I think, hurt his back during the bench press, but still went through, still ran the 40, and still kind of finished out the drills. So I think that Brisker is someone who can have the opportunity to really build on what he did in Indianapolis and kind of put together the full testing picture um, that NFL teams haven't necessarily gotten from him. Yeah, a couple guys for me. Um, Jesse Lucchetta, uh I think he ran he, he ran one forty. It was it was it was a it was a solid time, and he did some other solid testing numbers. But he pulled up on his second forty. I'm curious if enough time has passed for him to try to run the forty again. Um, it looked like it was lower leg. I don't want to say it was the hamstring, but it sure looked like the hamstring. I don't know if he'll be recovered in time to run it. Because let's be honest, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna run a good forty, there's no point in going out there and and, and hurting yourself. Further, Arnold Ebiketti, you know, you know, pass rushers don't need to be really fast for the 40. It's really about 10 and 20 yards times. But I don't think he ran a 40 uh, out in Indianapolis. He was good in everything else that he did. He's another guy, I think, uh, to watch as well. I think Jahan Dotson is a guy that, I don't know, I thought he ran plenty fast enough. I think it was low four fours when we were when it was all said and done. I think that's a great time for him. I just think these guys are going to be real cautious about trying to do something and maybe hurting some of the numbers that they posted in, in Indianapolis. Another guy, Daniel, that I would be curious about is Rasheed Walker, who went to the combine and didn't work out. So I would think he's a polarizing player in this draft for a lot of NFL teams. NFL body, he's had some games where he was very good at Penn State. He's had some games where he was not so great, um, but he certainly has the size to help a team, if not this year, uh, down the road, he might need some development, but he didn't. I don't think he did not test in Indianapolis. So I think if he's going to be there tomorrow, they're going to definitely want to see him uh, move around and do some things. Yeah, definitely. I think that he's someone who um, can kind of fill out the the testing side of things. Obviously, you know, he was at the combine, so he went through the media interviews, the team interviews, the whole kind of nine yards there. So I think that he's someone who has kind of flown under the radar a little bit because he didn't play in those final three games of the season, uh, was on crutches at the Outback Bowl, declared, and then didn't test. So there's kind of the, you know, he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind a little bit. But I did a mock draft roundup for this morning, and Tankathon had him going at number 96 (laughs) overall uh, to the Denver Broncos with the final pick of the third round. So he's someone who who we're going to hear his name called uh, probably a little bit earlier um, than some might expect uh, come April. I just love that you're able to give a, bl- a, a plug to, to a site called Tankathon, as in T-A-N-K-a-thon. Yep. All right. 
who doesn't have a blog, especially a mock draft <laughs> blog? There's got to be over. That's got to be. There's got to be over a hundred thousand of those things out there by now. Because we figure there's because everyone's just consumed by the draft, and I, I just can't believe how far it's gotten in the last ten to fifteen years. But that is crazy. Crazy. Is there anyone else we haven't talked about? I was a little surprised. I didn't realize. Did Jordan Stout run a four six five in Indy? Did I see that right? Yes. That. That's pretty impressive. That's not gonna, that's not going to help him. I don't think uh, get a spot on an NFL team, but that's he is quite the athlete. I I would not have guessed four six five for him. The the punter from Georgia ran four five six. Come on, well it's in Georgia, so there you go. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, look, you know that you've got some fast punt returners in the NFL. You might need to uh, you might need to run one of them down. So you gotta you gotta show you're you're the total package there. All right, what well, do we think? There's a chance we'll see some guys. Not they, these are certainly not Nittany Lions that uh, jumped out. I think at the fan base, but God, I'm thinking about guys like Mike Miranda, maybe Derek Tangelo. I'm sure there's some other guys that I might be missing. But are there some other guys that might show up? I don't see that. I don't see why they wouldn't, unless they don't want to play football. But those two guys, I think, come to mind. Anyone else on on your radar as we try to? and get how big this list of Penn State guys are that, that are going to work out. So Miranda isn't on the list of pro day participants, but what is he doing? He was at, um, he was at practice on, uh, on Monday. He, he was running around following the offensive line. Uh, and he had the, I didn't see the little belt, but, uh, I think someone else spotted that he had the little belt with the play sheet on it for, uh, that, that had the practice plan on it. So we'll see. Future, future, future. Okay, yeah. But when you look at the the list of guys who are going to participate who didn't go to the combine, I think there's there's three names that that stand out to me. The first is Drew Hartlob, uh, the special teams ace. Um, I'd be really interested to see how he tests, uh, especially in the forty and kind of the vertical broad jumping kind of those tests that me- measure the explosive traits. Um, he was really good at, at what he did for Penn State. And I think that that's kind of how you can find uh, you can find a home in the NFL that way through special teams. And then Derek Tangelo and Eric Wilson, the grad transfers, they're going to be participating. And Tangelo closed the year really, really strong after PJ Mustafer got hurt. I think that he did some really nice things. Um, I think he also generated some buzz at the Shrine Bowl out in Vegas uh, at the end of January, beginning of February. So I think that he's someone who I wouldn't be surprised is you know, maybe a seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent who who gets a shot in camp. And then obviously Wilson has a, a full season as a Big Ten starter. Obviously, it there were some moments that were maybe a little touch and go there. But um, I think that he is kind of he has the opportunity to, to showcase some some physical skills. I mean, we know he's going to interview well based off of the couple conference calls we did with him, um, but he can kind of show it on the field now. So. Obviously, Alice Brooks is the headliner out of the non-combine guys, but I think that that those three, you know, those other three played key roles or were starters for Penn State in 2021, and now they'll get the chance to, you know, make their case for the NFL. So, do you think, Daniel? I mean, I'm talking about Hartlob, who is one of the was a was a really great uh, coverage player, coverage gunner, one of the fastest players on the team. But my question is, at his height and his weight. If you're going to make an NFL team or even a practice squad, I think I don't think you can just make it as a pure coverage player. So what 
does is he big enough to play? I'm guessing he's a defensive back, maybe in the NFL, but I'm not positive. What position could the NFL even try and develop him at? It, you know, long even two or three years down the line, if they like his speed. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would have to be defensive back. I think that that's kind of the the position where you can cycle through guys the most, and that's kind of the. I don't want to say that it's the easiest spot to make an NFL roster because none of it's easy, but it's one of the positions where teams you can carry kind of a couple more guys because, you know, bottom of the depth chart, wide receivers, bottom of the depth chart, defensive backs, bottom of the depth chart, linebackers. That's what makes up special teams. You can be a core four guy, play on all the coverage teams, all the return teams and, and really carve out a niche for yourself. I mean, the, the Patriots are a special case, but you look at what Matthew Slater did, where he has just been a pure special teamer for his full career. And every once in a while, one of those guys comes along. Hart Love's listed at 5'11", 180 on the roster from last year. Um, obviously not the biggest guy, but he's got the speed. And I think that if you can put yourself in, in the right spot at the right times, that can really help you and, and go a long way too. So Daniel, when we did our uh, Monday post James Franklin news conference video. We talked a little bit about about Penn State's offensive line cuz James Franklin uncharacteristically went into a two deep going into spring practice for the offensive line and we we went through projected guys that could be running first team and it was uh I don't even have any notes but it was Olufashanu at left tackle, it was Landon Tangwall at left guard, it was it was Juice on the Loose Scruggs was at center. Salim Worley was mentioned at right guard. And the veteran, Caden Wallace, who played right tackle last year, he mentioned him at right tackle. So my question, though, is this was his group, guys they like to, to run with the first team for spring. Um, when I look at that group, I'm wondering one thing. I'm wondering about the guards. What I'm going to say is how do you think Penn State will change that approach when Hunter Norzad the Cornell All-Ivy League interior offensive lineman arrives and is set to work out in August. How does he maybe impact how, how – Scruggs is kind of set, I think, at center. So we're talking about the guard spot. So we're really talking about Tangwall. We're talking about Wormley. There could be a couple other guys in there. But uh, Norzad was a coveted, I think, get in the transfer portal. He looks like one of the meanest college players this year I've seen on the football field. He just looks like a football player. How do you think Norzad could impact that group? I think that you look at him kind of competing with Tangwall um, and Wormley. James did kind of give us the, uh, you know, on the depth chart where there's always the oars every once in a while. And he gave us an oar for the second team um, with Golden, Israel Achumba, and Alex Fermanek, the converted defensive tackle at the second team right guard spot. So maybe when Norzad is here, he becomes an oar with Tangwall or Wormley. I think when you think about the upside and kind of when you look at Landon Tangwall physically, he looks ready. He looks the part, but you don't necessarily know where he is in terms of his seasoning. And then Wormley is just kind of a, a wild card. He didn't play last year. There were kind of the the hints that were dropped that he could have been the starting left guard or he would have been competing with, with Eric Wilson for that spot if he was healthy. But we haven't seen him and we don't necessarily know kind of what Salim Wormley first team guard actually looks like. So I think that Norzad could factor in there. Maybe he leapfrogs JB Nelson or Golden Israel Achumba for for the, you know, one of the top second team 
um, spots. And maybe he becomes, because he's played on the outside before, maybe he becomes that kind of de facto uh, sixth offensive lineman in that role that we saw Bryce Effner in last year, where he would kind of come through and could play on the, I think, I think Bryce Effner might've played every position on the line uh, except for center uh, over the course of the season. So maybe Norzad kind of ends up in kind of the, the fireman role if he doesn't come in and take one of those guard spots. Well, both Norzad and Effner, because Effner's still on the roster. He played last year. Uh, the fact that James did not mention him leads me to believe that he's probably going to be very limited or not going to participate in spring drills this year. Unless you uh, Did you see him at practice uh, on, on Monday? So that I think that maybe he might be a guy that Penn State might not have until the summer. But if you add those two names into the equation, then that kind of changes maybe the way people should look at the offensive line. Maybe that instead of looking at them and not having a lot of depth and question marks at both guard spots and fingers crossed on Olu Fashano, all that stuff. Uh, if those two guys are ready to go by the middle of August, Norzad and Efner, I think then you're looking at offensive line where maybe Penn State might trust seven or eight guys to play. And I'm sure they're going to cross-train Norzad to play multiple positions. Efner can already do it, but... I'd be really surprised given the play of the offensive line last year and their struggles to protect the passer, to open holes in the running game. I'd be really surprised if Norzat is not a member of that starting unit, if not at the opener at Purdue, but very soon after that, because he had a lot of people after him. And this, you know, I think he picked Penn State for a reason. He saw a path to playing time. And I would agree with that. I think he is a guy, if he's not one of Penn State's best five I don't even know what that means does that mean that we vastly underestimated some of these backups or do we vastly overrate maybe his ability his ability to impact a big 10 program as a uh, as a grad transfer yeah and we did see last year at the beginning of the year even though it I don't even know if it lasted a quarter uh, that James Franklin is willing to do the rotation uh, with with Wigan and Wilson but that uh, rotation did not last long um, the Wisconsin defensive line had a lot to say about that. But yeah, it is kind of interesting, you know, when you bring in these transfers, especially when they're coming up a level like Norzad is. Obviously, he picked Penn State over Iowa, Illinois, Auburn, Virginia Tech. Those are serious programs. And especially when you look at Iowa and kind of the offensive linemen that that they've developed. With recruiting, sometimes you look at kind of, all right, who else wants this guy is to kind of help evaluate it. And I think that it shows that he's a serious prospect. Personally, I'm not a big fan of the rotations. Um, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of moving guys around when you have to move multiple guys around. But I think that if Penn State can, maybe if they somehow have like a, a top six or a top seven of guys that, that they definitely trust, I think that you're in a, you're in a good spot. Um, and the fact that, in college, you have a not you have those non conference games um, that you can kind of uh, I think was it Ohio and Central Michigan. It's one of those. It's one of those directional s- programs. Yes, yeah, Central, North, South, East. <laughs> there's there's going to be some Mac Mac Maction uh, Beaver Stadium, but that's kind of the chance for for to kind of maybe suss things out with with Norzad, with Tangwall, uh, with Wormley. The, you're gonna have to go straight into the fire with Purdue Week One and Auburn in Week Three. This is the Blue-White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, 
Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. All right, the Blue White Breakdown podcast rolls on. We're, we're, we're getting close to the end, sadly, um, but I, I would be remiss, Daniel, if I did not get your opinion, your take on this, because Dave Jones and I were talking about James Franklin's comments about the quarterback room specifically, you know, in response to a question from Ben Jones about, you know, the outside noise, the external noise, the internal noise versus, you know, any, is there any pressure on Sean Clifford to kind of hold off these talented young guns and how realistic is it for one of these young guns to really push Clifford either in spring or even, even later. But I think it was specifically about the spring. James answered it the way that he answered it. We were both surprised. Dave was super surprised. We, we just felt like maybe, you know, he could have been a little bit more encouraging I think to the younger players because in the day and age of the transfer portal, and he's got a five-star quarterback as a true freshman who enrolled in January specifically to take part in spring practice. The vibe I got from James was that it's going to be Sean's going to be the guy. He's excited to work a second year in Mike Yersich's offense, and I, he said at the end that it was probably unrealistic uh, for them to kind of really challenge him. Was that the way that you read James's response, and were you surprised that? It, it sounds to me like Sean's going to get a ton of work with the first team offense in spring. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily surprised by it. I do think the fact that Sean is a sixth year guy, I, that carries a lot of weight where it's not that Sean is the incumbent as a junior or even a redshirt junior. And he's had one and a half years of experience. Like he's a sixth year guy. He's a, you know, what's well, going to be his fourth year as a starter. I think that that kind of context to it. It makes it hard to kind of be like, yeah, these true freshmen, these 18-year-olds that are coming in, they can definitely come in and challenge the the 24-year-old right away. But I mean, I think that there's also the element too that where things stand right now, I mean, Sean Clifford gives them the best chance to win. And I think that that's kind of what you have to be focused on. And that's what you have to be kind of thinking about, especially after the way that last year went. Um, you went seven and six, you know, what, 500 in Big Ten play over, over the past two years, I think. So you're just kind of in a spot where you, know, you need to win. And I think that obviously there will be a focus on on player development um, this spring. But I don't know. I wasn't necessarily surprised by it. I think that we've both said that, especially given that it's week one at Purdue. I mean, Sean's going to be under center, you know, under the lights at ross Aid Stadium in, in beautiful West Lafayette. I wasn't necessarily su- surprised by it. Who knows what the the breakdown might be behind the scenes, but I thought that that Franklin kind of answered that how how I I would expect him to. Yeah, it's just, you know, I just they have to get a read on some of these young players and I just don't know. I would be trying to motivate Sean a little bit after last year quite frankly because I just think that there were too many games where you look at the Arkansas game where that was that was a game at halftime even though Penn State had a bunch of opt-outs and he did not play well in the second half. I think in this day and age, you want to encourage the guys that you think are really talented in the room, say there's going to be some competition, and they did not. They never, Daniel, they never, ever 
got their most talented backup quarterback enough snaps to, ready to play for the season. And it showed with Taquan Roberson. It took it took an injury to Sean Clifford and then one bad half by Taquan Roberson at Iowa for them to say, hey, you know what? We, we might want to look at this Veyu guy. I think they got to have a better plan in place than they ha- they've had in years past. And I think that they really have to take – at some point, they got, when you bring a five-star in and it's hard to get five stars to Penn State, I think maybe you tweak your plan a little bit and you let the five-star know that you're tweaking your plan a little bit to keep him a little bit more enthused. I just – I thought – I thought there was a different way he could have answered that, I guess is what I'm saying. And Dave definitely thought that. I think it'll be more interesting to hear the answer to that question in, in August when we're closer to actual games happening. Um, and I think there was kind of a, a little bit of a hint from Chuck Losey uh, when we talked to him earlier this month where he said that Drew Allard doesn't really have a lot of experience in, in terms of a weight program. Um, and you could kind of see it um, looking at him on the practice field on Monday. Obviously, he's a big kid. His, he's a really smooth athlete. His arm strength is there. But even standing next to Veyu, who's a redshirt freshman, I mean, Veyu looks really, really physically impressive. Maybe we look at where Aller is when August starts. He's had When he's had the, the full offseason weight training, all of spring ball, all the summer workouts, and has really had the opportunity to kind of step into into the weight program and, and that kind of development. I don't know. I think that I'm a little bit more interested in the answer to that question in a couple months when there's a little bit more of a body of work in state college on those Penn State practice fields uh, for James Franklin and Mike Yersich to draw off of. Daniel, all I know is when they release, if they do release a depth chart, and they probably won't for Purdue, it's going to say Sean Clifford, then it's going to say Christian Valu or Drew Aller or Bo Krabula. I, I that's that's where my money is, and he is James does not like to give away a lot of information in August. I think it's going to be like pulling teeth, but I think we're we're going to know one way or the other because Sean Clifford is is, is a tough guy, but his uh, playing style lends to him getting beat up, and it, as the season goes on, it's going to be tough. I think for him to be 100% physically ready to go, and he could miss some games again. They're going to eventually have to play somebody. But I just think as long as Drew Aller can throw 40-yard outs on a rope, <laughs> I don't really care what his body fat is. You know, I think that eventually his body is going to mature anyway. He looked pretty good in a uniform when he was at Medina. Does he have a little bit of a baby face right now? Yeah, he does. But he's also almost 6'6", 225, and I just think that and I'm not counting Prabula or Veyu out, but I just, I don't know. I do think you're right. You and Dave are right from the perspective of that Penn State is going to figure out how to, they're going to have to figure out a way to handle this in a way that keeps those guys happy and can also draw more uh, five stars to, to Penn State. Because you, I mean, you look at what Ohio State has done where they, year after year, they cycle through the, the five stars and, and the high four stars. Whereas you look at Penn State and it's just kind of this, like right now, Drew Aller is the anomaly. Um, and you need to figure out how to kind of spin that forward and kind of create a culture where you can bring these guys in year after year, have the competition um, and not really worry about having a situation like last year where there's just no depth behind the starter. Obviously, the circumstances are a little bit extenuating with the COVID year. And just having a 60 year senior and having the opportunity to do that 
because we know that even if Sean Clifford had left, they probably would have, would have needed to get a veteran from the transfer portal uh, to kind of help with that depth and, and add some experience there. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how, how it's handled this year. But I mean, in terms of upside, it's obvious that, that Aller has the most in that room right now. Yeah. I do think there is there is definitely a world in which Sean Clifford in his second year in Mike Yersich's offense with a coordinator, the same coordinator two years in a row, takes a big step forward. I do think there is there is a scenario in which that happens. It's happened in college football. You only have to look you know, two hours west of State College uh, to Pitt's campus, see what Kenny Pickett did last year. You know, he could certainly have a take a big leap, you know, at the age of 24 and do that even though he's missing Jahan Dotson, that can certainly happen. But when you're, when you're entering your fourth year as a starting quarterback, chances are most of the book has been written on you already. You know, I think that there is a ceiling for him that he can still hit. I don't know how big that's, how, how high that ceiling is. Do you think I, I I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he certainly, he can certainly take a step forward, but I just don't know how big that step can be. Yeah, I think that there will be a step forward, but I don't I don't necessarily think that Sean Clifford will be this year's Kenny Pickett. Um, I think that the the leap that Kenny Pickett made last year was pretty enormous. And he also benefited from having the Bolitnikoff winner um, at wide receiver um, where Sean Clifford won't have that this year, even though there is some some talent there. I don't know how big of a step it'll be. Maybe if we're looking at the staircase. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Pickett left up six steps in one leap. Maybe Sean Clifford jumps up three steps. And what, and what does that translate into, you know, on the road at Purdue in week one and at Auburn week three. And when, when they have to go to Michigan and when they got when Ohio state comes in with a pretty, pretty good offense. So I just, yeah, I don't know what all of that means. All I know is they just didn't score enough points, not nearly enough points last year. And they didn't, they played some teams that weren't even that good, and they couldn't score a lot on them. So I know it's only March, but I'm just wondering for the quarterback room, I hope those guys, when the, when the depth chart is announced internally, I hope all those guys feel like they're still in the running for playing time at some point during the season or they're going to get a fair shot at competing in 2023. So we'll see. He, I don't think he could come back for a seventh year. Is another thing, <laughs> another way I would look at it. Phrasing that, I think, I think this is going to be it. And hopefully, he can take. If even if he improves 10 to 15 percent, that could still look like, like a pretty good year. He's going to hold every Penn State passing record, I think, by the time he leaves here. So maybe Dave and I should just lay off him. How about that? <laughs> you know, I just came full circle on him. Uh, you know, we've got, what is it, five and a half months still till that, that season opener. So we've got to keep the ball in the air. Just keep the ball in the <laughs> air on the quarterbacks because that's what everyone wants to know about. We didn't even, we went the whole podcast without talking about Nick Singleton and the running backs. But we're going to save that because you're right. It's not even April. So I want to wish you a happy pro day. I won't be able to attend, but uh, we will be covering Penn State practice availabilities from here on out. Get some sleep, Daniel. Get some sleep. Pro days are – they're going to be long because there's going to be like 25 Nittany Lions working out. Hopefully uh, hopefully you get some entertaining interviews because you never know what those guys are going to say. Oh, yeah. They're, they're professionals now, so it'll be, be fun to, to see these guys in a little bit of a different context and, and chat with them. All right, Penn State fans, we'll talk to you soon, and we will have updates on Penn State's pro day coming really really quickly before when you wake up tomorrow just be ready for a lot of pen live updates on pro day this has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by pen live